Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Well, last week we, uh, we went through uh, point number two, and we saw where God had told Jacob to return to this place that he was supposed to be, which was the land of his father's. God had to remind Jacob of this vow that he had made in the place that he made this vow, Jacob called Bethel, the house of God. And so, again, there, there's so much that we saw in this that we can apply in our lives, and I, I don't want us to miss this. I, if you weren't here last week, just give you a little bit of it. We'll, we'll get a little, little bit of a recap uh, before we get into that. Uh, but one of the things that we saw that was similar to Jacob's life that is, it, it, uh, again, similar in our life is this. As he was, we are good at making mess, a mess of things in our life. Uh, if we're, if we're going to be honest, that's, that's what we are often in times uh, in pursuit of, is getting out of the mess that we've made in our life. And uh, again, but the amazing thing through this is that God had a plan with Jacob, even through the mess. It's an amazing thing. I've had several conversations with, with several of you in here about this message series, and even uh, talking about this idea that God would use Jacob. Uh, to me, again, in man's judgment, we talked about this early on in this series, is when I look at somebody like Jacob and all the mess that he's made and all this junk that he's done, I'm thinking, God, surely there's a, a better person that God could have chosen at the time. Uh, but as, as we've talked about, this is one of those things that is, is a great opportunity for God's grace to be amplified and God's glory to resound through these circumstances. And so, just like with Jacob's life, in our life, it's the same story. And no matter how often we've gone to church, no matter how long we've been saved, no matter how much and how righteous we think that we are in ourselves, the reality is this. It's all about God's grace for all of us. Uh, you, you, you may have been raised in church. You may have said, you know, I didn't do this and I didn't go there and I didn't do that. But the reality is this. Even if it was one sin, it was the judgment that was going to send you to the hell that was reserved for Satan and his demons. And so no matter what, it's all about God's grace. It always has been. Uh, but when we find ourselves in this place that we don't need to be, similar to, Joseph, I mean, to Jacob, uh, we need to do the same thing that God told Jacob to do, which is what we saw last week. Genesis chapter 31, verse 3 is, is one of the reference scriptures. Look what it says. And the Lord said to Jacob, look at that next word, return. Return. God is not going to tell somebody to return somewhere that uh, he doesn't want them Again, he was in the wrong place. He said, you need to return to the land of your fathers and to thy kindred. And the promise is, and I will be with thee. Just skip down to verse 13. It says this, I'm the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar, and where thou vowest the vow to me. And look what God's charges to him in verse 13. He says, now arise, do it now. Get up now and get thee out from this land. And here it is again, and return unto the land of of thy kindred. And point two there in your notes already filled out was the nature of our return to God is to be swift and sincere. And I want to say this again this morning because it's so important to uh, take heed to this. There's nothing to pray about. There's nothing to think about. There's, there's nothing to, to consider uh, in concerning our need to return to God. In other words, you don't say, well, I, I know I'm probably not in the right place right now. I need to, I need to really think about praying. No, there's nothing to pray about. It's just the right thing to do when we're in the wrong place. It's to get back in the right, in, in right standing with God. And so I want to pray this morning. I want to look at how we can do this, though. Because, again, we, we got point number two. 
uh, our return to God needs to be swift and sincere. But how do we do that? What does that return look like? And what are, the, what are some things that we can do to make sure that we return to God in the right way uh, in, in our lives? And so let's pray, and then we'll get these, hopefully the last few of this, and this won't go into 9E. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you again for this opportunity. Thank you for uh, the, the, just the, the freedoms that we have to exalt your name through song, to give to you, uh, to be exhorted in your word. And, and again, uh, I'm thankful for this church, thankful that uh, we have just the, the heart to love you, to serve you, to love others, uh, to get your truth, to get the gospel out to not only our community, but to the nations. And God, we, we pray that this morning, as we open your word again, as we see uh, these, these points this morning, that your word would be the thing that pierces our hearts, God, that your spirit would have free reign in this place and in our lives, that we wouldn't have anything that's distracting us, that we would set those things aside, that we'd wholly devote ourselves uh, to hearing from you. And um, God, just move this morning. We want you to move in every single one of our lives. Uh, if there's someone here this morning that has never encountered a relationship with you, they've never come to a place of faith, uh, of repentance and faith, and what you've done and sending your son to die on a cross, to rise from the dead and to offer life to all who believe. If there's somebody here like that, God, I pray uh, that they would get saved today. Lord, we'll just be plain in that prayer request. God, we want them to be saved and experience that free gift of eternal life, receive that free gift. And Lord, if there's somebody here this morning, if there's any of us here that aren't in the right place in our walk with you, we've already put our faith in Christ. We've surrendered our lives to you. But maybe we've, we've wandered. Maybe, maybe we've grown, sta grown stale and um, we're just not in, in a vibrant, lively relationship with you. Uh, if there's anybody here today, I pray that these steps would be heeded and applied and we would see a great return and therefore a great revival in this church and in your church period, Lord. We'll praise you for what you do. Just use me as a vessel, a mouthpiece. Speak what you want spoken. Uh, withhold anything that's of me. And um, just use me as a vessel, and we'll praise you for it, God. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, again, as we've seen with Jacob, if you haven't been here, if you're a guest this first time, second time, uh, maybe you, you're, you're not familiar with what we're doing, uh, we're going through the lineage, and then we're going to go through the life, and then we're going to look at the legacy of the, the, the person of Joseph. Jacob, we've been talking about this morning, and, and so far in the series primarily, uh, is the father of Joseph. Now, Joseph has left his land uh, and, and has fleed because he was afraid of his brother Esau. Uh, he tricked his father, he tricked his brother, and his mom kind of helped us escape. They go away. He finds not one wife, but two wives. And by those two wives and their two handmaidens, so four ladies, he's had now 11 children. The last child that was born was Joseph. And that's the person that we're studying. Joseph uh, is not the last child, we'll see that eventually, uh, but he is the child where Joseph says, finally, my wife, Rachel, this, uh, this, this woman that I came to, to marry initially, has had a natural child, a biological, chi biological child. He goes to his father-in-law, who, who is his uncle as well, uh, and he says, all right, give me everything I have. I, I'm going to take my family and go. His uncle says, great, no problem. Name your price. Jacob comes back and says, here's my price. His uncle says, fine. His uncle's sons then go and take all of the things that Joe, uh, Jake, uh, Jake, I can't get it out. Jacob uh, said he wanted, and they remove them and put them in a different pasture in a different flock. Well, Jacob comes up with a crafty plan himself, 
and he makes sure that all of the cattle, or all, I'm sorry, all of the rams, all the male uh, animals, uh, leap upon the cattle. <laughs> we talked about that last week. Leap upon the females that are going to breed. Uh, those are speckled striped and uh, the, the ones that he said that he would take with him. His herd increases. Laban's herds, his, his father-in-law decreases. And so then he says, okay, let's go. Well, his, his, uh, his cousins, Laban's sons, realize what's going on. They're upset. Laban's upset. And Joseph calls his wives out into the field and say, hey, look, we got to get out of town because this is the case. Go back a little bit is when God said, hey, get back to the land of your fathers. And so, again, we saw that that's what we need to do. We need to return uh, to God swiftly and sincerely. This is something that, um, again, we look at the choices that Jacob's made and the product that has come from those choices, and we can clearly say, what a mess. What a mess. Four women that he's not like just had one night stands or, or these, these, you know, nothing like that, but he, has, has, he is, is responsible now for four women and he's responsible for all 11 kids. This is him. This is his life. These are the choices that he's made and, and, and the product that he has now in his life seems to be this huge mess. We look at it and we say, man, that's bad. But something I want to point out is this. The departure was messy as well. The departure was a big mess. We could see it looking back. Again, when we started out this series, we, we talked about Joseph maybe sitting down and watching a, a family movie uh, of his lineage where, you know, those home, home videos. And uh, Joseph's looking at all this mess and all these bad decisions. We have that privilege too. We can look back at Jacob and we can say, man, what a knucklehead. Why, why was he doing this? He's a liar. He's a thief. He's a cheat. He's all these things. And, and again, we can look at that and say, that was, those were bad choices. He was, making a messy, he was making messy decisions along the way. But here's the truth in all of this. Jacob didn't see it like that. I, I wholeheartedly believe he didn't see it like that. I believe he thought he was doing what was the best thing for him to do then. I didn't say the right thing. I said the best thing for him to do right then. He was concerned about Jacob. He was thinking about what made Jacob happy. That's what he was thinking about, what was going to be best for Jacob. And I want you to hear this. The same is true in our lives today. We begin having this, these processes of choices and decisions that we make, and, and, and we're going through them, and, and in our minds, we, we're thinking, this is the best decision. And we even sometimes battle whether it's right or wrong. Is this the right decision? Is, is this pleasing to God? Is, we, we, we do that, and, and instead of uh, making decisions based off of that, we, we often slide to that selfish, self-serving nature that we talked about in point one and say, this is really just what I want to do. And it's, it seems best. It's the, it's the best thing for me to do right now. It makes sense. We don't see all of the effects of those decisions immediately, though, just like Jacob didn't. And many times we don't even account for the mess that lies ahead in our future. We're just thinking about right now. Reality in this process of, of, of sliding away from where God wants us and, and sliding away from that right place, 
we can be really good at, at attempting to justify. We can be really good at saying, you know what? It's not that big of a deal. It's not that bad of a choice. It's not that bad. I know I'm doing this. Or I know I'm not doing that. But it's really not that big of a deal. Our justification oftentimes comes from other people. We can look at somebody else and say, well, I know that they don't do this. Or we look at somebody else and say, well, I know that they're doing this too. And that's where we find our justification. And that's, that's where we go completely wrong because other people are not our judges and other people are not the standard for which we are to be striving for. And so again, we can do the same exact thing. It's been said before that when we're in the wrong place, the right place is empty. We're in the wrong place, the right place. What do, you, what do, you, what do you mean by that? You can't do for God. You can't do for others. Your life can't be used in the way that God intends for it to be used. You can experience the best of God's blessings, I believe, when you're in the wrong place, spiritually speaking. But it also can be the physically wrong place. But at some point, prayerfully, we hear the voice. If we're a child of God, we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying to us, return to the right place. Get back to where you're supposed to be. The place that you've encountered me before. The place that, that, that I spoke to you and you spoke to me and, and, and you made vows in your sincerity, in, in, our, in our intimacy. You, you, were, you were connected to me. And I want to say this this morning. This is not just an emotional rationalization. It's just not something that you as a child of God, you as a spiritual redeemed saint of, of God Almighty, that you emotionally come to this rational place and say, I probably should get back to God. That's not it, because that's going to fall flat. What I'm talking about is the spiritual reality. Again, when the Holy Spirit engages you, engages your, the spirit of man, the, the, the renewed man, and you realize, I'm in the wrong place. It doesn't have to be, again, an emotional wrestle. It doesn't have to be an emotional experience in, in that process right away, because oftentimes our emotions can be uh, callous to the things of God at, the, at that point in that place. But um, again, that place where you say, I'm not close to God. I'm not where I'm supposed to be, where I can hear his voice. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I think that all of us have probably been in a, a place in our spiritual life where we're saying something like this. I really have a hard time hearing what God's trying to tell me right now. I read the Bible, I pray, and it seems like God's voice is silent. I don't know what he wants me to do. I don't know what he's trying to tell me. Maybe you're there now. Maybe you're, you're saying, man, that's me. I don't pray because when I pray, it feels silent like this. I don't pray because I don't feel like I'm connecting with God. And so it's this, this bad cycle of every day, I'm not connecting with the God who gave me everything, the God who so loved me that he sent his only son, the God who, who, who has this eternal plan for my life. I'm not connecting with this God who so loves me because I don't feel something. Again, it's not emotional rationalization. It's a spiritual reality. I don't... I don't read my Bible, I don't connect with God in a spiritual level, even when we're, we're singing worship songs, or, or so, I'm just not connecting to God. I'm in a place where not only I don't hear from God, but maybe you, you know that there's some choices you've made, maybe some, some choices to sin, whether they're commission or omission, sins of commission or omission, and you say, and you know without a doubt, the reason I don't pray is because my prayers are being hindered by this sin. 
You may not say that with, with your mouth, but you say something like this in, in your heart. I don't feel worthy to talk to God. Why am I going to ask God to forgive me again of this same exact thing that I've asked him to forgive me of a thousand times? That's exactly where Satan, the enemy, wants to keep us, is in that place where we say, I can't go to God again and ask him to forgive me. I can't do that because how hypocritical is that of me? Or, 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 or why would God ever hear me and want to forgive me again for the same exact struggle that I'm having today that I had yesterday, all day long? And so what do we do? I've, I've talked about this before. We just don't pray and ask God to forgive us in that guilt. We say, well, I don't want to ask God to forgive me again. Another day went by, I didn't pray. Another day I went by, I didn't, I didn't read his word. Another day went by and I, and I looked with lust. Another day went by and my mouth was filled with corruption. Another day went by and I was gossiping or whatever the case may be. And, and, and I can't go to God, this is my struggle, can't go to God and ask him to forgive me again. And again, that's where the enemy would like to keep us. Maybe our prayers are hindered because of that. So what does it look like, this return? Again, we, we talked about it being swift and sincere, but why is it so important? And why does our return need to be that swift and sincere? And, and what are the steps that we take to do that? You know, there's, a, there's an old gospel song, and uh, many preachers have used this for, for decades. Uh, I looked for the source several times, and I, I couldn't find it. I don't know, I've preached it for almost 20 years in ministry. I, I've used this example a couple times. But, um, and and here, here's, here's the reason why. We need to stay in that close relationship with God, that, that we need to make sure that we, as soon as we see that we're away from God, we return to God with swiftness and sincerity. The reason why is this. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. And sin will cost you more than you want to pay. That's the truth. We saw a couple Wednesday nights ago some things that we're free from. Those who are the redeemed of God, we've been freed from certain things. And one of the things that we are freed from is we're freed from being the servants of the slaves to sin. Paul, under the Holy Spirit's inspiration, wrote to the Roman believers that just because we have God's grace in our sinful state, or because we've received God's grace in this forgiveness that he's given to us, doesn't mean that now in this forgiven state, now in this state of uh, being saved and redeemed, doesn't mean that we continue to sin because Paul said where sin does, abound, uh, sin does abound, grace does much more abound. It doesn't mean that we continue to, uh, to sin so that we see God's grace more evident in our life. It's not about that or that we experience more of God's grace in our sin. It's not, not, that's not the attempt. He said, may it never be so. Or actually, in the King James, it says, God forbid. Then he asked a fundamental question. I want you to look at that before we get into these points. Romans chapter 6, verse 1, it says, what shall, I say then? what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? His answer again, God forbid, may it never be so. That, that's an absurd rationalization that, that we're going to continue to sin so that God's grace will abound because where sin does abound, grace does more, much more abound. But he brings a spiritual truth to it, a, 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 a legal reality, if you will, in our justification. We've been declared righteous before a, a holy God in our just, being justified before God, that, that's been done. But not only that, it was the transaction of our life. We lost our life to gain eternal life. That's what Jesus said. Unless a man loses his life, he can't gain it, you know. Look what he says. How can we do that? 
How can we continue in sin, those of us who have died to sin? How can we do that, and how can we live any longer therein? So again, we look at our lives, we look at maybe where you're at this morning, maybe where you've been, or maybe even some decisions you're making and where you're going. And you realize in your life right now, I have made a mess in the past. Or maybe right now, you're, as I said a while ago, you're making some decisions and it's justified. There's nothing really wrong with this. It's not that bad. You're making some decisions that are just best for you. Not necessarily pleasing to God, but best for you. And you don't realize this great big mess that's lying ahead in the future like Jacob didn't realize. Jacob didn't realize all of that. He was doing what was best for him, wanted to do all these things. It made sense. Hey, Rachel said, hey, take Leah. I mean, take my handmaid. I can't have, you know, it, it made sense. Sure, okay. You know, my wife just gave me permission to have a baby with her handmaid. Is that right in God's sight? Or is that just best for Jacob in the moment? Okay, I guess, you know. He was making these choices, and again, this, they were messy choices. He didn't see them as messy, but the mess now he's in reveals that the, the process was messy. So a few ways to make our return to God swift and sincere. First of all, letter A under point two is this. We have to humble ourselves enough to admit that we're away. And I think there's a tipping point there in our lives sometimes when, when we're, we're walking and, and, and maybe not in close fellowship with God, and we're starting to stray a little bit, making some decisions that, that are pulling us away from a close, intimate relationship with God. And again, we're in that place where Jacob was, not necessarily realizing that we're making messy decisions. We're just not close to God. Again, we're not, we're not walking in this closeness of, of, of a prayer life, of, of, of study life, of fellowship with the, the body, of obedience in his word. We're just kind of existing as Christians. We're living in this life. We're living in this world. In this world, the decisions that are, that are uh, being made on a daily basis are governing our everything versus the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, this close encounter with God governing everything. But it comes a tipping point where we have to at least realize if we're going to return, I'm not in the right place. I read my Bible, but I'm not connecting with it. It's not impacting me. I do it as some type of duty, and it's like information that goes in my life and has no bearing at all. I'm not receiving it. I'm not hungering and thirsting for righteousness. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, looking to rightly divide the word of truth. I, I'm just going through some, some, some spiritual emotions. Again, there's got to be a tipping point. At some point in our life, we've got to realize We've got to be humble enough to say, I'm not where I need to be. I'm not close to God like I'm supposed to be. He died to bring us near. He, 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 he gave his very best so that we would walk with him as, 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 our, as he is our shepherd over our lives and we'd have this sweet fellowship with him, that there would be a, a back and forth relationship, this, encounter, this, 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 re, this real encounter with the, our, our creator God. Not so that we would just go through some type of religious motion, show up once or twice a week to a service and go through motions there and, 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 and put a name tag on our life saying that we're Christians following Christ when we're not really following Christ at all. We've got to be humble enough to admit 
I'm not where I need to be. Again, it, it can be a very hard thing to do. It's, it can be a very hard thing to humble ourselves when we are in a prideful pl- place. And, and the flesh, by the way, of course, is, is, is partial to pride. So when we're operating in the flesh and not walking in the spirit, and we're, we're making these messy decisions that is leading to a messy product, it's hard for us to say, I'm wrong. It's hard for us to, to, to humble ourselves enough in that pride and in that fleshly place and say, you know what? There was a time in my life I was making way better spiritual. I was making, making way better decisions that, that I consulted God about, that I really waited for God to lead me and guide me. And instead of just saying, well, it's just because it's what I want to do. It's because I think it's what's best for me right now. It's not what God wants. And say, yeah, but I've been asking God and he's not been answering. Well, maybe that's the answer. But that's where we get in our, our, our flesh. That's where we get in our pride. But that's not what I want right now. Scripture tells us to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. It tells us that God lifts up the humble. It tells us that God gives grace. He gives his unmerited favor to the humble. In James chapter 4, verse 6, I love this verse, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace unto the humble. Again, the flesh is a very powerful thing. It, it has a great pull in our life. We can be so subtly pulled away from this right place, this closeness with God, because of our flesh. So easily, our flesh is so easily swayed. Not only is our flesh a powerful thing, and it has a great pull in our life, but sin is a pleasurable thing. Be it for a season, it's still pleasurable. And in its pleasure, the nature of sin is deceptive. Just like we can say, I can go day after day after day not walking in close fellowship with God and it be okay. That's a deception. It's not okay. We don't stay humbled in our posture before the Lord and in dealing with others. We may never realize our need to repent and return to a right relationship with the Lord. And here's the dangerous thing. If we continue down that road and we never humble ourselves, we never get honest enough in our own life, maybe here this morning and say, maybe I'm not close to God. Maybe I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Maybe I'm away. Maybe I'm further. Maybe, we could, again, rationalize, justify. I, I used to be like that when I was a teenager. I used to be like that when I was a young man, a young woman. I used to be like that, but now I'm not now. I've, I've had all these things and all this stuff happen in my life. Listen, look at Joseph's life, I mean, Jacob's life, and God still said, return. Return. I want you back. You got to know something this morning, church. God wants you back. He didn't didn't send his son to take the wrath that all of us deserve. A wrath that's going to be poured out on on all unrighteousness one day. He didn't do that so that we could say, well, I used to. He wants it now. He wants you to return now. He wants you to come back now. But you've got to humble. We've got to humble ourselves. Enough to say, you know what, I'm away. The second thing is this. We have to truly be broken over our separation. It's got to matter. It, we ha- we, it's got to matter 
that, again, if, you, if you're here this morning and you were saying, that's me, Brother Kyle, that, that's where I'm at. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I, I don't read my Bible. I don't pray. I, I don't remember the last time that I witnessed to somebody. I don't remember the last time that I shared this amazing news that, that saved my soul, that I was so excited. to. I don't remember. I, I'm, I know I'm not walking as close to God as I once was or as I should be. In order to return to God swiftly and that second word, sincerely, we truly have to be broken over that separation. Again, it has to matter. It has to matter that I'm not as close to God as I once was. It's got to matter that I'm not as close to God as he died for me to be, that he desires for me to be. Even in the mess that you may be right now, my life is a mess. It's, it's just ugly. It's one bad decision after the next. And now I don't even know what I'm doing. I feel like I've made all these decisions. I'm in this huge mess. Guess what? God still desires for you to be there. And again, that humility has got to bring forth this brokenness. I'm away, and it doesn't feel good, and it's not right. As I said, we were away at junior camp this week, and I also told Brother Jaron uh, when he was here uh, previously, uh, before they went to Nicaragua, and um, I said, hey, you know, because he was talking about how he likes to hunt and stuff, I said, hey, well, maybe it'll work out sometime. Well, what I typically have been doing the last few years is, is I'll go to junior camp for the first uh, half of the week, and then I've got a friend that has a place in Oklahoma, and uh, he's asking me if I want to come down. So on the way back, it's right back on the way home, and so we stop and hunt, and I stop and hunt. So it worked out. Brother Jaron was talking about how he loves camp, and he loves to hunt, and I was like, hey, I know you're not at home, and I know your wife will be left here with three little girls, but here's the invitation. And so he took the invitation, they took, took advantage of it, and again, we went. And so we were gone for, it, it was, it was, we left on a Monday, so we saw our family, well, our wives. No, no, they were still sleeping. No, <laughs> we, we, it was five or six days that we were gone. And uh, I, I have experienced this, like I said, a few times. Uh, but uh, this was the first time that they've experienced it outside of for ministry, right? Yeah, so ministry, uh, he had to go back to Nicaragua. But anyways... So they experienced the same thing that, that we experienced. Every time I get to talk to Rochelle, she says, I miss you. I want you to come home today. Will you come back today? You know, and, and all that. Well, I think Jaron was experiencing the same thing with Nick. And Nick was saying, we miss you. I, you know, I want you to come home. You know, all, the, all those things. And um, the, the thing that I was, as I was going through all of this and, and, and looking back through it, and just experiencing this week, I thought, that's awesome. That's a perfect illustration of when the relationship is right, the separation doesn't feel right. I, 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 I don't like being away from my family. Jaron even said it, this is hard. You know, he said, I, I, he said I'm not going to lie, I miss my girls. You know, I said, absolutely. You know, that, that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. And that's, it should be so much more in our relationship with our Lord. When, when we step out of this, this, this closeness, this intimacy, this right relationship, this, this love and this embrace of our Father, and, and we're embracing Him, when, and we step out of that, that, that amazing, loving relationship and close relationship, and we move away a little bit, a day, two, five days, six days, it should be a long, I got to get back, I, I, I want to get back, it's, it's something I so desire to be back with Him, but again, 
if, if, if it's not a close relationship and it's not a right relationship and it's not a good relationship, then I'm thinking that even according to Scripture, it doesn't matter. And that's what concerns me today about so many people who call themselves Christians. Is they can walk in this separation from the God who they're supposed to, the Redeemer, the lover of their soul, the, 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 the Savior, their Lord, their, their Master, their God, all of these things, their Father, their Heavenly Father, and they can just go about their life. And it doesn't matter that there's a separation. Again, we have to realize that we have embraced the thing again that is separated from God in the first place. That he poured out again his wrath on his son in our place for, on our behalf, to bring us close to him. You're not in the right place to return and repent if you just stay in that wrong place, if it doesn't matter to you that you need to. Again, I want to say it's not an emotionally rationalized thing. I want to say this. There's been times in my life as a Christian, that emotionally I knew I was not in the right place. I could, I could feel it. I could, I could sense it. I, I, I mean, I knew spiritually too, but I wasn't, I wasn't humbled spiritually and I wasn't broken spiritually. But emotionally, I knew, I could tell, I could feel it. I need to get back to a right relationship with God. But I didn't take the steps to return to God the right way. It doesn't work. I've even made promises to God. I've even, I've even vowed vows to God. I've even you know, had those times of prayer. God, I promise you, tomorrow I'm going to start reading my, t- t- tomorrow I promise, I'm going to, and maybe you've done that too. God, I promise. God, I promise. It. From an emotionally charged place, not a spiritually broken place. It's a spiritually driven matter. It has to be that. Psalms 34, verse 18, the Lord's nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. And save as such be of a contrite spirit. Again, if, if you don't know what a close relationship with the Lord looks like, you don't have one at all, to be separated from God in that sense doesn't matter to you. you you've never had that. So, so to be separated, it, it doesn't matter. But I will say this, it will matter one day. And that's why I urge you today, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never understood the gospel, if you've never believed the gospel that God so loved you, he gave his only begotten son to die in your place, to pay for your sins, so that you wouldn't have to pay for them. His son was put in a grave and he rose again three days later and he promised life, everlasting life to all who believe. If you've never surrendered your life to that, then what I'm talking about right now may not matter. But I promise you one day it will. I beg you to come today. Receive that gift. Experience this close relationship. But if you you have experienced that. You, you've given your life to Christ. You, you have a relationship with God. Then the separation from the God who saved you should break your heart. It should affect you. You should get up every day and there should be a lack of peace. There should be a conviction. There should be something abiding. There should be something that's affecting you. But again, as I said a while ago, it can't do that unless you humble yourself. And when you do, I believe that's when you can come to that place of true brokenness and contrition. That moving back to that closeness to God is is a reality for you. The Bible says that repentance is impossible without contrition, without godly sorrow. Again, it's got to matter. Number three, let her see. 
How do we do this? We have to fully rely on God's resources to help us back. If you're not close to God, if you feel like that you're away, if you're, if you're not in this intimate, right relationship with the Lord, if you've, if you've strayed, or maybe it looks a lot like Jacob's life. You've made one bad mistake after the next. You've made a mess of decisions, and, and now you've got the, the, the product that's real messy. He said, that, that's me. Listen, the only way that we are going to get back is not because we have some, some mental or psychological fortitude that other people don't have, and then we're just going to make ourselves get, or, it's not that. It's not because we're, we're uh, again, the experiences in our life that we've been in church, it's, that's not going to help us. I know people that have been in church their whole life and probably are some of the most furthest people away from God that exist on this earth. Our flesh is too weak to do it ourselves. That's the truth. Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. You and I can't just make the strength to return to God in a right relationship happen in our life. It has to be humility. It has to be through brokenness. And it has to be through the resources, the spiritual resources that God provides. Again, as, as I said, it has to be done God's way. In John chapter 14, uh, the Word of God and the Holy Spirit are very evident as resources in our life. John uh, 14, 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words. What are his, he is the word. Jesus said, the, John chapter 1 says that. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus is the word. He came to this earth, the incarnate word. He was the revealed word of God. And this is what he says. He says, if you love me, then you will obey. You will guard, protect, you will obey my words. And my father will love him and will come unto him and will make our abode with him. We will have a, a, a house in his life. We will have a house in his, in, in his body. We will live with him and dwell with him. We will have an intimate relationship with him if someone loves him and keeps his word. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. Now look what he says. These things, have, uh, these things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and here it is, and bring all things to, to your remembrance whatsoever I I have said unto you, I have said unto you. Two major resources in, in, in our life that we have to have every single day, that we have to depend on every single day, that in our return to God, in our repentance, in our returning back to a right relationship with God, two major resources, the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit of God brings into remembrance the Word of God in this process. And so there's no way for us to just have some type of mental fortitude or some type of emo emotional strength or some type of life experience to say, I really, okay, you know what, I'm going back to God right now. No. It's going to be with the help of the Holy Spirit. It's going to, if it's going to be real, it's going to be sincere. It's going to be with the help of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be help. It's going to be with the help of the Word of God. And it's going to be with the help of the body of Christ. It's a resource that God has given us. We see our strength and our effectiveness as a child of God realize, listen, only in the context of the church. That's it. Only in the context of the church. The Bible says that we're to exhort one another. We're supposed to edify one, one another. And as much more that we see the day approaching, we should be exhorting, uh, we should be exhorting each other even more. As that day, the day of the Lord comes closer. And so we're to do that. We build each other up. The Bible says we're to admonish each other. 
So this morning, if you find yourself away, chances are you feel disconnected from the body as well. You're not connected, you're not thriving, you're not, you're not being encouraged, and you're not encouraging. Actively. Your presence is an encouragement, but you're not actively admonishing, encouraging, and edifying other people. The body of Christ is a resource. I've seen it time and time again. I was sharing with somebody a few weeks ago. Um, in, in my time as a Christian and in, in being in, in church and my time as being in ministry, there are indicators when someone's sliding away from a close relationship with God and sliding away from being committed and connected to the local church. And I don't like that God sometimes reveals those things. And you can see this, one of the great indicators is well, they never come and they never show up. And when they do show up, they're not connected. They're not engaging. They're not drawing strength from the very body that says that he would give them strength from. So I, I want to challenge you this morning. Maybe you came this morning and you did just that. You just showed up. It's good that you're here but that's not how you're going to thrive. You're not going to thrive like that. And if you're away from God, you're not going to return to God in just this small showing up on a Sunday morning or even a Sunday evening. You're not going to return to God in a healthy way like that. It's not going to be sincere. The only way that you will experience a closeness with God again, I've said this many times before, and maybe I'll say it until the Lord takes me home. You cannot have a healthy relationship with just the head only. That's, that's not the way it is. It's, it's the entire, he, Christ is the head of the body. We are the body of Christ. You have a relationship, a healthy relationship with God, a right relationship, a close relationship with God. When you are close with God, Christ, the head, but also with his body. He's not a bodiless God and we're not a headless body. This is a resource. This church, the body of believers, is a resource. So if you find yourself here today and you say, you know what, I don't really like to connect at fellowships. I don't, you know, I, I just come and I sing the songs and I hear the message and then I just go my own way. Listen, that's not what God, it, it, that's not what he intended. You do that at movies. This is not a movie. <laughs> and I'm way less entertaining than any movie you'll ever see. Maybe not any movie, but, but I'm not here for that. I, 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 want you, I want you to be challenged this morning in, in your, your position, your relationship, your walk with God. Is it, is, is it near? Are you close? Are you, are you, are you in intimate fellowship with God and, and, and the body? Are, are you in that right place in your walk with God or are you away? Jacob was told to return. And I think God is telling his people Return. This is how you do it. And maybe that's where you're at today as the musicians come. Maybe you say, you know what? I've been in the wrong place spiritually for a long time. And I'm kind of embarrassed to go to God and ask him to take me back if I could come back. I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed to ask God to forgive me after this many months of not talking to him. 
Ask Him to bless our food. I pray when the church prays, but I don't talk to Him. And it's embarrassing that it's been months. Or maybe it's the Word of God that you haven't. Maybe, maybe, maybe again, maybe it's just a process. Maybe it's just something that you're, you're just going through the motions. The only answer for you today is to return now. He told Jacob, now arise. Return swiftly and sincere. Much like the prodigal son, a story of that. The father was waiting the whole time, anticipating the return of the son. The son had no idea, making one decision after the next, making a huge mess of things. He didn't see the product of that mess, right? Until the very end, he found himself in that pig, that pig stall, eating from the, that, that trough, realizing, look, I could be a, a, in a better place as a servant in my father's house. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll do that. He came to a place of humility, brokenness, went back to God, or went back to the Father. And what did the Father do? He was anticipating. He was excited. And when he saw his son returning, he ran to meet him. If that's where you're at today, God is desiring for you to come and be close to him, to, clo to, to be in close, intimate fellowship with him. Let's not go through motions anymore. The veil was not torn for any other reason for us to be able to enter into the holiest. Have this, this close, intimate relationship with God. And so, you know what, Brother Kyle, I, I really feel like I am thriving in my relationship with God. So I don't, I mean, okay, sermon, and it's good for the future. No, 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 maybe you're here today, and this message was not only for you, but maybe you know somebody, a, a, a friend, a brother or sister in Christ. Maybe it's your, your mom, your dad. Maybe it's your uncle. Maybe it's your cousin. Maybe it's a coworker. You know that they say they're a Christian, but they're so far away from God. Maybe it's for you to come to this altar. Maybe they're in your seat. Pray for them that they would return to God. Either way, I want to challenge you this morning. If you're not near, if you're away, let today be the day that you return. Take these steps. Humble, be broken. And last of all, use the resources that God's given. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here again today. Lord, I thank you for the many times that you have forgiven me and embraced me as, as I repented. You're such a good Father, Lord. You're such a good God and loving Savior. And we can never thank you for your grace enough. We can never thank you for the mercy that you give us new every morning. But this, this, this morning, I pray that we would respond rightly to your word and that we would lay our lives down before you, that we'd be in complete sincerity. If there are those here today that aren't walking in a close relationship, aren't in close fellowship with you or the body, maybe they're, they're going through those motions. Maybe they're just showing up and going through those motions. Well, I pray today that would change. That's not what you desire. That's not what brings you glory. So help us, re help us respond rightly today. And again, Lord, if there's someone that has never encountered a, a personal relationship with you, I pray that you move them in this invitation. Lord, help us to be able to show them in your word and that they would receive that free gift. We'll praise you for it. We ask it all in Jesus' name.